man, it has been a week for me. I am your host, Clifton Brantley, and I am so glad that you are tuning in today. Listen, I have a really good topic for us today. At least I believe so. Uh, I, I think it's <laughs> I think it's a good topic, but I probably think all of my topics are good topics, right? Uh, but today, today we're talking about uh, becoming a man. All right, today we're talking about becoming a man. Uh, this is going to be at least a two-part series. It may be, <clears throat> excuse me, it may be more than that, but it's going to be at least a two-part series. Uh, so this week is Beyond the Mask. Beyond the Mask. What does that mean? Uh, beyond the Mask, a lot of people don't realize how we men, most men walk around living in a mask. And so I wanted to talk about that tonight because uh, I believe there's some insight that I can share to help us understand men better and to help us heal. So before I get into, into what I want to share with you uh, for this episode, let me do some pre preliminary things, right? So uh, first of all, let me tell you if, so I have a, I have a, a course that I've created for couples. If you're in a relationship, I've created a course for you. The reason for this course. So a lot of people have been wanting to work with me, even my current clients. And so this is for current clients too, right? But my current clients, uh, my calendar is, it, it is, it is packed. And uh, there's only one me, right? And so I was thinking, like, how can I come up with something to serve people when there's just one me? Obviously, I can't, you know, I can't make more hours in the day. So I came up with this course. The name of the course is Rules of Engagement. Now, the truth is, I actually created this course two years ago, but I, I am relaunching the course this Thursday, September the 1st with all new content, all new skills, worksheets, and everything. And you may be asking, who is this course for? The course is for couples who are tired of circling the same problems with no solutions. It's for couples who are losing hope because they fight too much. It's for couples who are wanting to restore the joy and intimacy in their relationship. And for couples who are raising children and they want to show them uh, how to do relationships in a more healthy way. OK, so if that's you, uh, you can go to CliftonBrantley.com, scroll down and you can actually pre-order the, the course. It's going on. It's, it's going live on the first but you can pre-order it right now and there's a discount. Um, so cliftonparently.com, scroll down about midway and you'll see it. Also, uh, if you're on YouTube, you can click the link in the, in, not in the bio, but in the description. There's a link in there. Okay. All right. So the topic for the night uh, or day, if you're listening, you know, whenever you're listening. So <clears throat> I was, I was, I was, hanging out with some guys and, you know, listening to the guys talk. Um, it was this one guy in particular and he was talking about how he realizes there's, that there are some things in him that is feminine. And he, he, he used another word. He used the B word, right? I don't use profanity. So, uh, but he talked about, you know, I know when I, get emotional or if I feel like crying or if I'm afraid of something, you know, that's just the B in me coming out and I got to suppress that. And so me being me, I said, I, I didn't even get a chance to think about the thought before it came out of my mouth and I got to work on that. But before I was even able to put my filters up, immediately came out of my, out of my mouth. I said, who told you that? Like, where did you get that from? And the unfortunate reality is 
that's not uncommon. It's not uncommon for men to believe that, like, I can't show any kind of vulnerability. I can't cry. I can't say that I'm afraid. And um, what's shocking to me is that men still believe this while at the same time knowing they are living behind a mask. I don't know. I don't know if I've met many men who did not recognize that they were not living an authentic life. I've met a few, but not many. Most men and, and, and the men that admit it, they would only admit it to other men. Right. I get that. But it's still amazing to me how this this. This how we raise our boys to men has been so ingrained in the culture. That men have bought into the lie. I often say by the time we're five. Most men have learned or boys have learned. Uh, that is not OK. It is not OK for them to be human. Right. Um, by the time they're five, they've learned they can't cry. Uh, they can't. They can't say I'm afraid. They can't say, uh, you know, I don't know. Right. And then. These boys grow up to be men. And then we wonder why. By and large, we suck at marriage. Right. We, we, even the good men, the good men who take care of their families, you know. So let me not say they suck. Right. Uh, when I say suck at marriage, let me clear. Let me. You know, what I mean is at doing the heavy lifting of relationships, the emotional connection, that part. See, most of us men are, it's not that we're not equipped for it, but again, that equipment was mostly stolen without our permission. And then no one tells us that. And so when we get to adulthood, we are, we are, we're pretty clueless. But by the time, by the, by the time we become adults, we've been living behind the mask for so long. We think it's us. Most men do not know that they're living an authentic life. Or if they do know, they will never admit it because I've accepted this identity as who I am, but then uh, my office stays full of men who want to come in alone without their wives because it's, it's a safe place where they can be vulnerable. And it is my contention that uh, we got to create safe spaces out in the world where men can be vulnerable, where men can be human, okay, where, where, where they can be human. So uh, there's, this, there's this, this text in Proverbs that I believe speaks to what happens to us as men when we're growing up, happens to everybody, but I think this is really, really powerful. It's kind of what I want to talk about and then, you know, get into this, this mass, this identity, this false identity that we have to live in. So Proverbs 4.23, this is what it says. It says, guard your heart above all else because from it flows the issues of life. Let me read it again because actually uh, I read part and, and then my memory added. It was correct, but it was, it was two different versions, right? And so if somebody go look it up, I don't want you to be confused. So I'm going to just read what this version says completely. Okay. It says, guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of your life. Guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of your life. How interesting is that? So when the Bible talks about the heart, oftentimes the heart can be interchanged with the mind, right? Uh, that's why I often talk about mind mastery. If you can master your mind, your level of living will increase exponentially, right? Because your whole world, do you realize your whole world exists in your mind? It don't exist anywhere else on the planet, but in your mind. If you're sad, if you're happy, uh, it only exists in your mind. And so what Solomon is saying here, you got to do the work to guard your heart. Now, here's the problem with that. 
the problem is that it's true, not just for adults. It is also true for children, but children by and large don't have the ability to guard their hearts. That's the parent's job. But usually it's the parent that's causing the harm to the child. So these injuries that we get in childhood, those injuries go to the heart. That's why Jesus said uh, a tree is known by the fruit it bears, right? Whatever is in you, that's the only thing that can come out of you. So these brothers come in and we're talking and, you know, and he said, you know, she made me angry. Right. And that's why I did that. And I, I said, well, she may have pushed the button. But she did not give you the button, meaning. Uh, she, she, she may have, <clears throat> excuse me, she may have pushed the button and made anger come out, but she didn't put the anger in there. And if, 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 if your way of being healed is to depend on your wife or your girl or someone else to not push your buttons, as opposed to you deactivating the buttons, you will suffer and you will not be in control of your own life. But my goal is to help you, uh, you know, deactivate your buttons so that you don't you don't uh, react in ways and then blame other folk. But the point that I'm making is if the anger wasn't in there, it couldn't have come out no matter what she did. It, it wouldn't have been possible. Like. Right now, uh, it, it, there's nothing that anyone can do. Like my wife can walk in here right now and. Put a gun to my head and say, hey. Uh, you better speak Chinese or else you're going to die. Today would be my last day on the planet because Chinese is not in there. I cannot, I can't speak that because I never put it in. So I can't get it out. A lot of what wives get out of men, it was put in there by either an irresponsible parent, uh, an ignorant parent. When I say ignorant, meaning just not knowing, that's what I was. Like the harm that I caused my children, I, I, didn't, I had no idea. And most parents don't, right? But it's put in there by ignorant parents or absent parents, right? And children can be injured so many ways, right? And so this childhood uh, where we grow up, see, God created us for connection. But we raise our boys for disconnection. And so... When they get to adulthood, they often lack the ability to connect, particularly at a deep level. And so then, uh, so that's their reality. But before they get to adulthood, before they get to that final stage of adulthood, where, you know, they start wreaking havoc, havoc on adult relationships, as they're going through boyhood, oftentimes they get introduced to things like pornography. And see, pornography is a whole, I believe pornography is a spirit. I, I believe, and I've talked extensively, extensively about that before, but I, I believe that it's a, it's a spirit. But on a natural level, here's what pornography does. It does the same thing that alcohol does and crack and meth and all those drugs. It says, did you know that addiction, when you're addicted to something, it is a, a substitute, it's a substitute for human connection. So imagine you have a you have a boy growing up in a, a two-parent home. But his dad was raised by a man who never showed emotions. They never had an emotional connection. And he was really hard on his son because he was trying to make him tough, right? To be a man. Uh by the way, you don't have to make your you have to be tough on your son to make him a man. He's he's a man. He's a male. He's going to be who God made him to be. You don't have to be hard on him to make him hard. Okay. So uh, imagine there's this boy whose dad, whose dad, dad raised him with no connection. So now this son, his dad treats him the same way. And so he, uh, oh, as a matter of fact, as a matter of fact, let me switch lanes. And because I, I talked to a brother this week with this exact situation. So I could just use, um, some of the things that I heard this week. So he told me that when, when, when he, when he would cry 
or when he would hurt himself, he would go to his mom and dad would say, stop babying him. Like he needs to man up. I said, wait a minute, man up. I, I said, how old were you? He said, I was about six. I'm so at six, you were supposed to man up. Yeah, that's, we call that trauma. And why, why do I call it trauma? Okay, because, so when trauma injuries happen, they're a little different than other injuries. Trauma never goes away until you heal it, right? Or maybe delivered from it. But um, it was trauma because here he is almost 40 and he's dealing with anger issues. And as we were talking, they stem from a lot of incidents just like that. He couldn't express himself. He couldn't speak up for himself, right? He couldn't say that I was afraid. All the things that I said earlier, he, he was, as he was talking to me, textbook. And so now this part is not his story. Now let me get back to my example. Uh, so, so imagine this kid, you know, going through, now he's in, I was going to say middle school, but these days our boys are being introduced to pornography in elementary school. Okay. So you have this child who is love deficient. So when, when, when the dad talks to the son and denies his humanity, he creates what I call a love deficient child. So this little boy grows up love deficient. Enter pornography. Now, uh, he has something to attach to, but his little mind cannot process rationally like an adult can. So he's still being driven mostly by feelings. And masturbation feels good. Not only that, you know, all his little friends are doing it. So he gets addicted to pornography. And the reason the addiction happens is because he is needing human connection but he's using an object instead of a person because now what he's learned is I'm not good enough for connection. Where did he learn that? Well, it's because of the dynamics or not the that, but the makeup of children. So children are egocentric, right? They believe the world revolves around them, not because they're, you know, selfish, like in a, in a bad way. It's, it's just not, it's just how they are. They can't process the world any other kind of way, right? So for a child, everything either happens to me or it is caused by me, or I have superpowers. I should be able to stop it. Like when mom and dad are fighting, if they don't, if I can't stop them from fighting, then it must be my fault. So these then develop core beliefs and those core beliefs be become the beliefs by which they live their lives, right? So uh, going back to this kid, addicted to porn, middle school, high school, and you never really get rid of it. Unless it gets out of control, you may address it, but you never really get rid of it. Fast forward, he's ready to get a wife. No one has taught him how to connect. He, he, he doesn't know who he is because that was denied way long ago, right? Doesn't know who he is. He knows he wants to be loved, but has no idea what it even feels like. And so what does he do? Most men, especially the ones that are addicted to porn as kids, end up attaching love and sex together. And so he believes that, you know, well, if you love me, you're going to have sex with me. That's why he was so promiscuous before he decided to get married. And then that's why when he gets married and I'm generalizing, OK, this is not life is not black and white in any area. But um, he, you know, he <clears throat> so he is doing things that uh, will replace the human connection as opposed to like he don't know how to open up to his wife. And so when he's frustrated, when he's angry, his thing is uh, we need to have sex because he's attached love and sex together or when. He, yeah, w whatever he's feeling, lonely, angry, disappointed, uh, he'll want to have sex. In general, this is only one, one facet of the mask we men live in, okay? Um, but I, I call this becoming a man because the process of becoming a man 
is not an easy one because we don't become men just because we get older. You know, uh, males are born, men are made. So this mask, this mask that we wear, we didn't choose it. It was given to us. But what I want to do is help brothers take off the mask so that you can be authentic. Why do that? If I'm fine, I'm not harming anybody. Like I don't have anger issues and I'm chilling. Like why, why, why can't I just stay as I am and keep the mask on? A couple of reasons. Number one, it's going to limit your ability to connect. And we humans, since we've been on the planet, have thrived on connection. Always have, always will. Okay. We don't thrive on money. Money is good. I'm not anti-money. We don't thrive on cars and material possessions. You know, I, I like material possessions. It's, it's okay. Uh, we don't thrive on education. We don't thrive on uh, working. Human beings thrive on human connection. That is why when they ask Jesus, what's the greatest, uh, what's the greatest commandment? His response was relationship. Yeah, relationship. Okay. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. That's relationship. Then love your neighbor. That's relationship. As yourself. That's relationship. And so that's why I pattern uh, my practice after uh, that scripture where me being a relationship builder, I help you build quality relationships in those three areas. Your relationship with God, your relationship with your wife or your fellow man, and your relationship with yourself. And so this podcast primarily is addressing for men the relationship with yourself. Why not your relationship with God? We'll talk about that. But the thing is this, if you don't address the relationship with yourself, your relationship with God will be uh, ineffective and minimized. And here's what you don't want. You don't want to have access to an all-powerful, all-knowing God and then put him in a box and minimize him. And we do it all of the time. Okay. So this mask that we live in, I really want to help um, women for a second to understand why you get what you get from your husband. See, you married him. You thought you married a full grown man. He looks like a full grown man. But in reality, he's a grown man in a little boy's body. And I don't say that. I'm not trying to be derogatory. I'm a man, too. I lived it. I, I absolutely lived it. But I had to mature. Why? Because it was profiting me nothing. I was. So another reason why you want to deal with your relationship with yourself, uh, you won't be able to connect uh, effectively or if at all. Uh, you won't understand uh, how to love deeply. You won't know who you are. Right. And. Most importantly, you will find ways to self-sabotage your own life. Why is that? Why, why is that true? Because your conscious mind is not what's running your life. What's running your life is your subconscious mind. And in your subconscious mind is where all these injuries and negative limiting beliefs live. And so. You're, you've been living in your false self for so long. You think that's you. It's not you. So then how can we, how can we, how can we start to, I was going to say, how can we start to do, to do better? But the reality is uh, it's been this way for so long. I don't know if we can. It would be, I wish we could change the process and the way we parent in general, by and large, right? But um, if I can just get, if I can get men, or at least the men that I know, or the men that I encounter, to look in the mirror long enough to see the person you're looking at is not you, and then for them to accept that and admit it, and then get help, that's, that's, that's what I want to do. Because I do believe if you move a man, you move a family, right? I believe if the men are strong, the family is strong. And I believe that 
if men would uh, get themselves together to the point to where uh, I'm emotionally sound, uh, I know how to love, I'm embracing humility, I believe we could turn uh, the whole, let's just start with the divorce rate. We can, we can uh, knock that down, right? So, um, we were raised, we were raised for disconnection, even though God created us for connection. And then, uh, so I was talking about the women. So women, you, you choose a man and you think that he's a full grown man, but he's, he's, he's not here's So have you ever, have you ever got into an argument with your man and then, um, the way he's responding to you, it's like it's literally like he's throwing a temper tantrum. That's because the child inside is in control, right? The man has taken the back seat. The child is in control. And let me tell you, fellas, another reason why you want to make another reason why you want to look in the mirror and do your work is because that is extremely it's it's very very dangerous. To have to to be a grown man with, as my son, as my son says, grown man strength. But guided. By a child. That's the imagine a child playing with a chainsaw. Imagine a child driving. Your brand new Bentley or whatever you got, you know, and when I say child, I'm talking about a three, four, five year old. Imagine them being in charge. Imagine them being in charge. But they're big as Goliath. That's dangerous. Because how do children operate? Children, by and large, are moved by their emotions. Most men are moved by their emotions. No one, no one, no one. I almost bust out into a song, but I can't sing. It just popped up in my head. Uh, what is the song again? Who is it? Oh, Alicia Keys. I'm sorry. <laughs> I got distracted. Listen, no one. No one, no one, no one has, uh, how can I describe it? No one has, not better, no one has um, more obvious, I'll go with obvious. No, no, no one has more obvious mass. Y'all not going to like this, by the way, the men I'm talking about. No one has more obvious mass than alpha men. I know, I know. Yeah, alpha men. Number one, because there is no such thing. No one has proven yet to me what an alpha man is. Like, you made that up because you watched the animal kingdom. We're not lions, we're human beings. There's no such thing as an alpha male. Now, if you want to use that term to describe a particular behavior at a time, at a moment in time, okay. But to attach it to an identity and personality, no, that's not. We're not, we're not, we're, there's no such thing. Because if that were true, think about it. So if, if that's true, then we got to go with the whole analogy, right? So uh, alpha males like the lions well, so in the in the, the lot with the lions, number one, it's called a pride. And uh, pride is at the root of 100 percent of divorces, 100 percent. But also in a pride of lions. The wife does all the heavy lifting Well, the woman, the female lion, the lioness, she does all the heavy lifting. Are you saying alpha male that you are so big and bad? And you can handle everything because you got these angry issues and you just you're very direct. And you say what, these are the traits of the folk who say they're alpha males when they come in my office. You know, they got anger issues. They got tempers. Uh, they're very direct. They, uh, they direct. They speak their minds. I like that part. Right. But they don't care if they're rude. So you're saying you're going to be that. But you're going to let your wife. Bring home the bacon and fry it up in the pan. And she going to do everything while you just chill. I hear you saying no. Right. I hear you saying no. But why not? That's what the alpha males in the jungle do. The only thing they do is protect. So you stay home, guard the house, 
let your wife go out and make all the money, right? And then she, and then when she, and then when she makes the money, bring it home to you, you go out and spend it. That would be alpha male, right? That's foolishness. Here's what I want to encourage you to do. Examine yourself, move yourself away from, disconnect from these titles of alpha male or, you know, what's inside of me. That's the B inside of me. What are you talking about? Um, in that same discussion that I was talking about earlier, uh, the men were saying that, you know, men and women are different. And we are. But men and women are different in the sense of, you know, women are more emotional than men. And I said, that's not true. That's not true. Men and women. I, it's OK if you disagree. I'm, I'm fine with that. Men and women all have the same emotions. Men respond to their emotions differently, for the most part, in general. They respond to their emotions differently. But the reason is, is because how we are raised, not, by how, not because of how God made us. Do you, does that make sense? Right? Yeah, we handle our emotions differently. Yeah, we, it's hard for us to cry. Like, you can hurt me and I won't cry, right? Um, you can hurt me and I, I don't wince and I don't flinch. I learned that when I got to the planet. I learned how not to be human. I was born human, but I was raised to not be human because I can't express my, what you call negative emotions, right? No emotion is negative, by the way. They're just emotions. They're just signs telling you they're pointing to something else. Okay, they're just signs. But um, I, I, we don't ask for that. Right. Men don't ask for that. So we walk around uh, with these masks. Make sure I check my. My time. Um, we walk around with these masks and. A lot of men, I, a lot of men. Don't fully understand that who they are being is not who they have to be because they've been this way for so long. And I'm talking about I'm not I'm talking about good brothers who who, you know, accountable to their wives and their children. Right. Taking care of their business. Uh, they still have injuries that they'll never tell you about, because oftentimes men walk around. We here's some of the, here. Here. Are, can I share with you, sh share with you this for the women, some of our internal beliefs and uh, fears and concerns and dilemmas. It's some of them. Um, I can't tell her that I'm afraid because she'll look at me differently. Uh, we walk around hoping that you never take the mask off and see how uh, small we really are. We don't want that. And we don't have we often don't have the confidence that if you see us for the vulnerable human that we are, you won't receive us. And the unfortunate reality is, it hurts my heart that I've come across women in my office who have proved that to be true. Had a woman one time, uh, her husband struggled to be vulnerable. And uh, I, I don't know if they was having a discussion or they got into an argument or whatever, but he, you know, he, he, he broke down crying. And not like, you know, well, I don't I don't have to qualify. He broke down crying. She, not he, not his homeboys, not his dad. She said that he was weak. Where did she get that from? She wasn't born with it. She picked it up in the culture. Um, Scarface had a song back in the day. I never seen a man cry. Till I seen a man die. Uh, the guy that I was talking to earlier this week, I mean, last week, and he's telling me about, you know, his childhood and his relationship with his dad. He said, I never saw my dad cry. Until I think he went to his dad's funeral. Yeah, so he saw him cry at a funeral. And he himself. Man, this is so he himself. Has only cried. For the most part, at funerals. Well, now he say he's you know he's crying all the time now, and he doesn't know what to do with it. 
And here's another thing that happens when we wear these masks. I guess I'm just going to talk about the mask because another thing that happens when we wear these masks. So, so I'm sorry, not when we wear these masks, but when we get injured to the point to where we have to wear the mask in adulthood, uh, the injuries that's caused in childhood, because our emotions are, are denied so much, like we can't, we can't express ourselves. We can't voice our opinion. So we learn to stuff all that stuff down, right? That's why when we get to adulthood, most men, the only emotion they know how to process is anger. And so that's why when they get angry, it's over the top. It's over the top. The anger doesn't match the situation. That's because there's a little, there's an angry bear in the basement locked up. And if you get angry up top, the doors fly open and that bear comes out. And now, you know, this situation may have caused for a level three angry, level three of anger. And you come in at level 10 or 12. The reason is because every emotion, we think it's anger, disappointment, angry, uh, abandonment, angry, lonely, angry, feelings hurt, angry, insecure, anger. Because I don't know how to identify all these other emotions. So I do a lot of work with men trying to help them identify the emotions so they can process them, so they can move past their past. And women, I, I need you to not facilitate or not. I was trying not to use this big word, but I, I you know, continue. Just don't do it for me. So I'm going to say the word. Uh, I need you to not perpetuate the problem. All right? Don't perpetuate the problem of men living in these masks. And I get it. Some of you, and that's why that's why I'm doing this, because some of you women don't realize how much harm you're doing to the man or how unsafe you're making it for him. So watch this. You you will compliment his masculinity. You'll compliment his boldness. You compliment his, his, his assertiveness, right? Oh, I love it when you take charge. And I, you know, women will say, you know, I want my man to just slam me against the wall and, and do me like, you know, whatever. But you don't want him slamming you in the wall when y'all having a conversation though. Like you want one, but you don't want the other. And my point is you, you are applauding and encouraging all of these behaviors that are dysfunctional that you don't dysfunctional and you don't know that they're dysfunctional because you're not a man right but if so if it wasn't for the way we are raised what you are saying it would be fine it would be no issue but the problem is if you got a brother who shows up and he's being a chameleon acting tough when he's really afraid and then you applaud him for his act because you don't know he's acting it pushes him deeper into the sunken place. And now he can't get out because I can't let her know that I'm afraid because she loves the masculine man. So what you have to do is help your husband or your man or whatever, your brothers, the people around you, you got to help them get out of the mask by making it safe for them to be vulnerable. Now, that doesn't happen in one day, one week, one, I don't even know if it happened in a month or a year. But be consistent in making it safe for him to be vulnerable. And don't try to force him to be vulnerable, right? Let him get there when he gets there. But as long as you make it safe, he'll get there, okay? And if not, then, you know, bring him to me. We can talk and I can help, uh, help you guys get there. Why? Because again, if we can, if we can get our men strong. See, uh, not crying is not strong. Right. That came up this week, too. Uh, if I don't cry, then that means I'm strong. Uh, I heard one brother said that people told people keep telling him how strong he is. And he's like, I don't feel like I'm strong, like I'm tired of being strong. And I say, uh, what does that mean? What, what does it mean? When folks say, man, you're strong. Are you saying. I've been through a difficult situation and I'm strong because I didn't die. Well. Would that be true for everybody on the planet? Everybody on the planet is doing life. So for everybody on the planet, 
their ups and downs, difficulties, and heartaches. So if you're still alive, by that definition, you're strong, right? So why do we say if we see a man going through a difficult time, or anyone really, men or women, going through a difficult time, but they're not showing emotion, we say they're strong. Strong is uh, effectively handling your issues, whether that's crying or not. I'm not saying that you have to cry, but I'm saying you can't keep stuffing it. Okay, you can't keep suppressing it. And the thing that will help men be better at being men is if men would start to acknowledge. Hey, um, is it all right if I take off my mask because, you know. I've been, I have to wear it around my wife and um, I'm tired. Like I said uh, on the previous episode, it's no, it's no, it's not a fluke. It's not an, uh, a miscalculation of numbers. The fact that men commit suicide more than women four to one. But yet still, they're not really diagnosed. Why? Because we don't go get help. But we're carrying so much. I'm not making excuses for men or anything like that. I'm just talking about uh, the human reality of being a man on this planet, particularly in America. But uh, I say that because I hadn't been out the country, but a lot of my clients are not Americans and they have sometimes worse, the same issues. What is a man? How do I become a man? Once I am a man of age, how do I become a man in maturity? That's your task, maturing as a man, right? So uh, part two that I want to talk about on this becoming a man thing, uh, I want to talk specifically about, next time I want to talk specifically about um, fathers. And uh, so I'm going to talk about Things my father did not tell me. All right. And I've done I've, I've done I've covered this topic before on YouTube. But I'm going to cover it again uh, because I think it bears repeating. It won't be the exact same content because it's going to be all fresh content, but same topic because, uh, you know. Things my dad didn't teach me that I absolutely needed, not just for manhood, but for life. I had a I had I had a brother text me literally today. Today. Uh and uh he was telling me how I'm trying to find it real quick. Um I hate to say it, but I hate my life for real. Now this brother, this brother is 30 years old. 31. He just turned 31. I I hate to say it, but I hate my life. I work hard uh, every morning to go to work. And I feel like I'm going in a circle. I feel like nobody has my back for real. I feel like I was thrown out to sea with no life jacket. And he goes on to talk about how he feel like he just out here doing life. Nobody taught him how to do anything. And what I told him was, you have no idea how much I identify with what you're saying, because that was my reality. I remember when I was 18, I, I went to college. They dropped me off at Sam Houston. Um, I started playing basketball every day, but it was I remember being there. And through that experience, I remember thinking, um, I, I don't know anything about life. Like, I don't know. I don't know anything. And it was very daunting. It was very overwhelming. And from that point, from that place, I lived my life. And uh, for me, I've learned most of my lessons the hard way. Most of my lessons I learned through trial and error. So I didn't have a, my dad wasn't, we didn't have an emotional connection. So I, you know, my dad didn't mentor me. My dad didn't teach me how to do life. The only thing that I learned from my dad when when I say learn, meaning that my dad directly taught me, and it was good advice. <laughs> uh, it's not life changing advice, and it, it you know 
I think I'd have made it without it. Uh, and I'm not, trust me, I'm not, I'm not despising my father. Uh, but the thing my dad told me was, um, always keep your nails clean and always keep your shoes nice. Because when you meet women, first thing gonna look at your nails and your shoes. So, okay, I did that. I hate it when my nails are dirty. And my nails grow so fast. My nails grow like, I try to keep them low. And in a week, they're, and if I forget, folk be thinking I'm trying, I'm not trying to grow nails. They just grow. But yeah, I hate when my nails are dirty because my dad put that in me. But being prepared for life? Nah. At 50, really, I'll say it. I'll say, I'll say around a little after 40. So let's say like around 43. Around 43 is when I feel like I finally got some kind of grasp on life and start to go in a, a direction that wasn't like a ship on the water without a sail, just kind of being tossed to and fro. That's not a comfortable feeling. And the majority of men that are making millions of dollars, driving nice cars, CEOs of companies. Uh, as a matter of fact, it's so interesting. I had a CEO, literally, when he was COO. Uh, and he's a, he's a black guy. And uh, he was in charge and he had authority. But he was a little boy, like, and, and, and sadly, he could not see it. He stopped coming. He kept asking me for solutions. Like, how do I fix this? And I keep saying, uh, we need to address that. This, you can't do that if you don't do that. He, he wasn't, he was trying to hear me. And so, you know, but, um, yeah, so enough of that. So uh, I want, I want to, uh, share one more thing with you, share one more thing with you. And that is, Fellas, this is this is directly for the fellas, okay? Now, and I really want you to hear me. I really want you to hear me. Don't let pride be your demise, okay? Don't think that you can do life all alone by yourself. Number one, God didn't design us that way. Number two, you need another man in your life helping you do, even if you feel like, you know, you're already a man. Okay. All of, I need men in my life. And so, like I've told, I've said before, the reason that I read so much, or should I say, listen, I listen to more books than I read, but the reason is because I don't have a mentor, right? I don't have a dad saying, hey, son, this is how you run a business. You know, this is how you love a woman, right? This is how you do this. This is how you cut the grass. And I, I, you know, I didn't read a book to cut the grass, but you get my point, right? I, I didn't know that stuff. So I read, but for you, I want to strongly encourage you to at least be open to finding you a coach, right? Find you somebody that can help you move the chains. Somebody that can help you be your best self. Somebody that can help you identify areas of weakness where you can grow. And then they work with you to get you to, the, to either the next level or whatever level you want to be, right? Find you a coach. Over the last week, you know, I was hanging out with, um, I believe, one of the best business coaches I've ever met. And I already knew this, but it became even more apparent that you need a coach. Why do you need a coach? Not just because, see like, for example, if I was gonna coach you, it's not because you're beneath me, like I'm just a regular human, right? If I'm coaching you, you may make more money than me, you may have more informational knowledge than me, I'm coaching you on a specific area, just like your doctor. So when you go to the doctor, Let's say you're 40, your doctor is 30. You know more about life than him, right? You know more about a whole lot of stuff, but you don't know more about medicine. Why? Because he studied. So
So in his 30 years, he became a doctor. In your 40, you did not. Right? So it's, that doesn't make him better than you. It just means he has an expertise that he uses to be a benefit to you. So find you a coach, someone that can speak into your life, someone you can receive from. Okay? Someone who, you know, find someone who is who, who has what you want or is doing what you want to do. And then, you know, as Myron Golden says, uh, find the expert and pay them whatever it is they're asking for and grow. He didn't say it exactly like that, but that's the concept, right? Uh, take it. So, so what, <clears throat> what I'm sharing with you, I'm sharing with you from personal experience. I have done the majority of my life. Wait a minute. I honestly think I've done all of it. From We're going to start at 18. From 18 to now, I've done it all on my own. On my own. On my own. Like I, I, and I can tell you, so last, 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 this just past Friday, uh, I'll give you a little, a little, I'll be a little transparent and then, you know, We'll end the in the episode. So this Friday, I had a situation where uh, the weight of my life, having to make decisions my myself all my life, and all the bad decisions I've made, and all of the things I didn't know, and all the times I fell, fall, fall, fail, fallen, fail. I was so my my there was a wreck in my brain. Failed was in there. But then fall showed up and I got confused. But all the times I failed, um, you don't want to do life by yourself. That's the only way. Okay? All right. Thank you for listening. Rest assured, I love you for real. And I will see you guys next week. <laughs>